me the book of Revelations, chapter number 2. Now, we've been talking about freedom for the last several months. We're going to add another thing here this morning, just on the area of freedom. But throughout life, you realize that every one of us in life, that what we do as far as working, work has its rewards. And if you're willing to pay the price, you can inherit or get the prize. But you got to be willing to pay the price to get the prize. You know, I, I was around not long ago a, a man who was a doctor, and he said something very interesting to me, that he went to school like most of you, started in kindergarten and went through the 12th grade. And so you got 13 years in you right there. And after that, it took him 12 more years to get to the position that he was going to be the doctor that he desired to be. Now, I say that because a lot of times... We want certain things in our life, but we don't want to pay the thing to do to get there. And so it's big that even in the kingdom of God, even spiritually, I believe, guys, you're going to get out of the things of God what you put in. And so if you don't put anything of God in, you're not going to get much out. But I believe also that many people are, are unhappy and the reason we're unhappy is because we only want to do things that are easy or convenient. And when it comes to spiritual things, if you're going to only do the easy things and the convenient things, you're going to cheat yourself out of God's best, out of God's blessings. And so God's got promises for you. So this morning as we go through the scriptures, you're going to see that God is a rewarder, but I play a part in that. Now let's begin this morning in Revelations 2. And let's just start in verse 1. And he says here, this is Jesus talking, red letters, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? These things, he holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of seven golden lampstands. I know your works, and I know your labor, and I know your patience. Now, in that verse in my Bible, I really highlighted the word your. That I think in terms here that, that he knows my works, he knows my labor, he knows my patience, he knows my perseverance, and he knows yours. And he goes on to say that you cannot bear or endure those who are evil and you have tested them, who say they are apostles and are not and found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary in doing good. Now that word right there, when he talks about growing weary and doing good, it's cross-referenced into Galatians 6, 9, where it says, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary. So I believe through the scriptures right there, that when the apostle Paul wrote in, in Galatians 6, 9, don't grow weary in doing good, there must be opportunity for every one of us to grow weary. And so you gotta fight that off, guys. You gotta keep on, you gotta keep on. And, and he said right there, persevere. I'm going to tell you, that's one of the best definitions of a believer as a Christian. you got to persevere. you just got to keep on. Keep on and keep on and keep on. Keep reading. Verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you've left your first love, which was falling in love with Jesus. And in a roundabout way, he's saying you've divorced it. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen. Now, if you've fallen in life this week, yesterday, don't let it rock your world. Look what he says next. He said, repent, repent, 
and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So repenting, guys, is a great thing. That's not a negative thing. When I begin to repent, it'll keep you in line with God. And to repent is saying, I'm taking responsibility for my life. Keep reading, verse 6. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I hate also. And the reason is that is these guys had some superior um, status, they felt like. They felt like they were able to live in immorality and idolatry and everything would be okay. How do you know that? Well, if you look in that same chapter, verse 15 and 16, it'll talk about those. But it's interesting to me that Jesus said, I hate them too. Well, Jesus doesn't hate people. He just hates the things we do. Keep reading. Verse 7. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes. Now, the message refers to overcomers there as as a conqueror. The Amplified refers to as overcomer there as victorious. Now, in Revelations, this is one of the words that is repeated over and over. Overcome. To him who overcomes. Now, in this verse right here, we have the responsibility for our lives to begin to move in in a, a state where I can overcome through Jesus. But as overcomers, there's going to be a reward. In other words, when you do what's right, God is going to reward you. And he goes on to say at the end of verse 7, I will give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of paradise of God. And so what he's telling us here, he said, I'm going to move you back into a state of relationship just like Adam and Eve had in the garden. But the key here is overcome. Overcome. Now, as we jog through ver- or chapter 2, I'm going to go real quick, and I'm just going to give you a couple verses here. Verse 11 says, He who overcomes. Verse 17 says, To him who overcomes. Verse 26, And he who overcomes. Now this was just in chapter 2. So Jesus over and over repeats this in here for me and you. Overcomers. Overcomers. Now, we're going to jump into Revelation 3, verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things. He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. I know that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. And so for us as believers, we can be alive, but we can be spiritually dead. We can be alive but not have no life on the inside of us. In other words, through life you just kind of go through the motions. You breathe and you take up some space. But you really don't have no significance. Have you ever been there? I have. And I believe this is just a warning from Jesus. Now keep jumping through this chapter. And look with me at verse number 10. Because you have kept my commandment to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which will come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have. Now he's talking about spiritually. Hold fast to the things of God. Hold fast to them. Don't let them go. And he goes on to say that no man may, or that no one may take your crown. Verse 12. He who overcomes. He gets back into it. 
Jump down with me to verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right? These things is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation, God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot, and I wish you were cold or hot. Now this was Jesus' words, and so he's saying here, I wish you were either cold or hot, and, and think about this. When, when you go to even get a, a drink of water, I don't like lukewarm water. I'll drink it, but it's not my favorite. And in the middle of winter, I don't want a lukewarm shower. I want a hot shower. In the middle of summer, I want a cold shower. I don't want a, lu- or a lukewarm shower. And so Jesus is saying this here. Now look at his, his words in, in verse 16, and this becomes very graphic. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now when I read that, you know what lukewarm says to me as a believer? I only want to do things that are easy. I only want to do things when they're convenient, when they fit into my timetable. I believe a lukewarm Christian is a Christian that blends in. On Sunday, he's a saint. But on Monday, he can act just like the sinner. And so this is what happens when I straddle this fence of life and I play teeter-totter with the things of God. That in God's eyes, you have now become lukewarm. And remember Jesus' words. He said, I would rather you be cold or hot than lukewarm. Because why? I'm going to vomit you out. Now let's keep going a little farther here. Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke, I chasten, which means discipline, therefore be zealous or eager and repent. Now, think about this. This was Jesus' words, and he said to those I love, I'm going to rebuke you, I'm going to discipline you or correct you. Now, a lot of times, that sound or be real appealing to us as believers. But Jesus said to those I love, this is what I'm... So when you become corrected by Jesus, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Think about this. You as parents right now, or you remember when you were growing up, if you had a parent that disciplined you, they didn't discipline you because they loved you. They disciplined you because they didn't want you being stupid. That's in the Greek, stupid is. And so I got disciplined a bunch growing up, and I'd look back at it, and I'm not mad at my dad. I'm glad he did that. Well, see, this is what Father God does with us. When Father God disciplines you or corrects you, remember this, it's because he loves you. He wants his best for you. He knows the consequences of sin. Verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door, and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now that phrase right there, behold, I stand at the door and knock, it is addressed to a complacent church, to believers that are lukewarm. Now there's two things I want to point out. Number one, when he said, I stand at the door and knock, that's his grace. That's his grace. You know what he's saying? I want to be a part of your life. And then the second part, he says, to him who opens the door, I'll come in. So you know what he's telling you? I'm putting the responsibility on you. 
I'm not going to make you do anything that goes against your will. And Jesus never will. Now, think about this in your life. Has Jesus ever got you in a headlock and made you do anything? No. And I said in the first service, when I gave my heart to Jesus, He never got me in a headlock and drug me down to the altar. Now, there's times it probably would have been good for Jesus to do that to me, but He is never going to go against your will. And you're going to see throughout this morning that Jesus puts choices in every one of us. Keep reading what he goes on to say. Verse 22. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so when you begin to look at this, once again, so much of it was the responsibility of us, but also as overcomers. Now this verse I'm fixing to, to quote to you. Many of you will know this. Revelations 12, 11 says, we overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb. We overcame Him. You know who the Him was? The devil. We overcome Him by the blood of the Lamb. Now that word overcome, it has a military terminology. And when you look at the word overcome, many times that word is cross-referenced into Ephesians 6.10-18. through 18. Verse 10 says, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And then it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the ambushes of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And it lists them all. And then verses 13 through 18 tells us about the armor we're to put on. And so as an overcomer, and I'm going to have to get a hold of this. I overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Now I don't care what's happened in your life, what you've done good, bad, wrong, how you've messed up. The blood of Jesus is what will help you overcome. But here's the key. i got to give my heart to Jesus. And when you give your heart to Jesus, you know what you've done? You've now inherited the blood of Jesus. He'll come in and He will begin to clean you up. But you got to hook up with Him. Now go to Hebrews chapter 11. Back to your left just a little bit. Hebrews chapter 11. And as you're turning there... I don't believe Jesus would ever have mentioned all this about overcoming to me and you if it wasn't possible. I don't believe Jesus would have charged or commanded me and you to overcome if that wasn't what he desired for us to do. See, he doesn't want you just getting saved. Some of you say, really? No, Jesus has desired that every one of us go to heaven. But salvation wasn't just about heaven. Remember, Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. And so one of Jesus' reasons he wants me and you to overcome things in our life, and we can enjoy life to its fullest. Now here we are in Hebrews 11. And this is a chapter that is about faith. Over and over it talks about faith. Faith, 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 faith. Hebrews 11 one says, Faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. And then you get back into the later parts of Hebrews 11, and we call it the Faith Hall of Fame. And over and over in there, if you look, it'll say, By faith this happened. By faith that happened. And so I believe right here, the Lord is trying to get us to realize the significance of living by faith. Look what he says. Hebrews 11 verse 6. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
Now, as I read this, I think of all the men and women that are mentioned in this chapter. And the reason they were mentioned in this chapter is because they kept believing. They kept living for God. They kept pressing in. And they weren't beggars. They weren't manipulators. They were people that begin to serve God. So right here, it gives us a little insight. It says that God is a rewarder of those who seek Him. So if you begin to seek God, I'm going to tell you something's going to happen, but I want to highlight a word in there. He said, if you diligently seek Him. If you diligently seek Him. Now that word diligent, you know what it means? It means to pay close attention to. So when we talk about seeking God, guys, that's just not a Sunday morning thing. That's just not once a month. You know, people say, well, I went to church twice last year. I went Easter and Christmas, so I got my quote in for the year. I'm going to tell you, if you're only going to church on Christmas and, and Easter, you're probably getting your rear kicked in life. That's just my bet. And so right here, there's a challenge for me and you to diligently seek Him. Day by day by day. Because in the kingdom of God, there are no drive-through breakthroughs. You're not going to wheel up at the spiritual window and tell God to supersize it and make it fast. There's not any overnight rewards in the kingdom. There are not any spiritual shortcuts. And so this is huge that I begin to see this, that... As I begin to live for God and I seek Him diligently day by day, listen guys, that may be an inch at a time. That may be a little by little by little. But you're still making progress in that. And that doesn't mean you won't begin to see some fruit in your life. You know for a lot of you the greatest fruit today will be this. That you make a decision today that I'm not going to quit and I'm not going to give up. And that would be huge right there to say, I'm all in, Father God. Now these men and women that are mentioned in Matthew, or not Matthew, Hebrews 11, they didn't start out in a blessed state. You study the life of Abraham. You study the life of Moses. You study the life of Joseph. They went through things day by day. When you study David's life... He was prophesied that he would be the next king at 17. He didn't walk in that for 13 years. In those 13 years, guys, he wasn't vacationing in Cancun. I'm going to tell you, he was worn and battling, learning the things of God. And I'm sure there are some days he thought it was inch by inch, but he kept going on. He kept. See, that's the point with many of you today. You've got to keep seeking God. You gotta keep believing God. You gotta keep trusting God. And eventually, you're gonna walk in freedom. You're gonna walk in the blessings. Look back, uh, just a, a book to uh, Hebrews 10. Look back to Hebrews 10 here. I wanna show you this. Verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great rewards. What's he talking about, my confidence? My, my confidence is in Father God. That I begin to understand Father God will do exactly what His Word says. Man, that's my confidence. And he said, what did he say? Don't lose your confidence. It's got great rewards. Look what he says in verse 36. 
For you have need of endurance, perseverance, steadfastness, actively to resist weariness. Why? So that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So he begins to give us insight there about what he's wanting to do with each one of us. Now the word in the world is this. They were lucky. They were lucky. When you hear someone that gets blessed, the world will say they're lucky. They're lucky. Like, I wish I was lucky. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, guys, in the kingdom of God, there is no luck. There's not going to be one person in heaven that got there because of luck. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says this, I set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing, Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. Now, isn't that interesting that God tells us, this day I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, and then God cheats. He tells us the answer. He said, therefore, choose life. Hello? But you know what that means? I still got to choose it. God's not going to drag me down by my ears the rest of the week and say, I'm going to help you choose life. No, he tells us what we should do. And, and in saying that, look over the book of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And when I look at, when I look at uh, Abraham's life, guys, Abraham's life didn't start out well. He didn't start out blessed. If you look at Abraham's marriage, it didn't start out that well. But you know what? They kept living for God, kept seeking God, kept trusting in God. And you know what? Before long, you're married 30 years, and it's blessed. And you sit back and look and think, you know, I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed, that's for sure. But you know what? I figured out that if I'll just begin to honor God, God will bless my life. I'm going to tell you guys, in the early years of our marriage, me and Shelly had all kinds of issues, and most of them was me. I realized that I was the issue. But because she kept serving God and I kept serving God, hallelujah. I mean, in the natural, 20-year-olds and 17-year-olds don't get married and make it. But oh, happy day. We're still here. Still married. She still loves me. Praise the Lord. Oh, happy day for me. And so I'm just telling you guys, you just got to keep on doing the Word of God. Don't throw in the towel. Matthew 7. Now we're going to read all of verse 13 and 14, then we're really going to dig into this a little bit. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are only a few who find it. Now, Jesus right here to me, he's teaching us life 101. This is the fundamentals of life. This is the basics of life. And once again, note real quick the very first words in verse 13. What did Jesus tell us? He said, enter by the narrow gate. So you know what Jesus does again? He cheats. He tells us what we ought to do again. He said, enter by the narrow gate. So think about this. There's these two gates, or I like to say two roads. One of them is a narrow road, which leads to life. The other road is this broad road that he said leads to destruction. Now let's really look at verse 13. 
For wide is the gate and as broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Now you know what this is? This is the way of the world. And the reason it's broad and it's easy, because that's the popular. That's the, that's the convenient way. That's where most of the people go. And, and in that state, when you're leading or living on that broad road, you go through that and you think life is really well. You think this lifestyle I'm living is a lot of fun and there's a lot of satisfaction. Now, how many ever remember those days? Some of you may be going through that right now. I thought it was awesome. We were partying like 1999. I mean, tearing it up. We thought this is the great look, man. Getting to get drunk and high all the time and do all these things. I thought it was great. But Jesus tells us here, the reward for living on this road is destruction. It's destruction. Now, I don't care who you are. You're not exempt from this. This is what's going to happen. And so in my life, all that was going on. And I'm thinking I'm having fun and this is great. But all of a sudden, you know what happens? This little dead-end road called destruction shows up. And before long in my own life, I start causing a lot of pain. To me, to my parents, my wife. You know why? I didn't want to heed this stuff. I didn't want to listen. You know, if you've ever studied the Bible, there in Second Chronicles, there's a prayer in there called the prayer of Jabez. And Jabez in that prayer asked for five things. And he said, number one, Father God, bless me indeed. Bless me indeed. Every one of us like that. Oh, yeah, give me a double dose of that, Lord. Enlarge my territory. Enlarge my circle of influence. And your hand be upon me. You keep me from evil. And you know what his fifth request was? That I cause no pain. That I cause no pain. See, when you get on this broad road, guys, you're going to cause pain. In your own life and in other people's life that are close to you. I don't care who you are. I mean, I caused a lot of pain. And I looked and I thought, man, Lord, i got to get off that road. i got to exit that road. And make some changes. And it had to be a choice of mine. And thank God I did. How many of you, and you you don't have to raise your hand, but you can think back in your life right now, that if you were still on that road, you would be either one or two places. You'd either be in jail or dead. That was the road. And I see many of your hands. I've been on that road. And you know what? I'm not going to get back on that road. I like the things of God that much now. When you're walking through these things of God, it it may not seem like your life is being blessed. And it may not feel like your life is being blessed. But you've got to keep walking toward it. Keep walking toward it. And you know what? Those blessings are going to happen just because it doesn't happen overnight. Here's your great illustration. Most every one of you tomorrow morning will get up and go to work. And you know why you go to work tomorrow? Because you know payday is going to be Friday. And you know why you go to work on Tuesday? Because you know payday is going to be Friday. And you keep going the rest of the week. Because you know what? Payday's coming. And that is the, the reward. You see the reward at the end. See, it's the things of God. You just keep doing what you need to do as, as far as seeking God and being diligent. And I'm going to tell you, payday's coming. It'll be a blessing. Verse 14. 
Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. Interesting, huh? Narrow is the gate. The Amplified says that this road is contracted by pressure. And so you got this broad road that seems easy, and many are on this. You got this narrow road, and there's not many on it, but it's as difficult its way, or it's a way of pressure. You know why it's a way of pressure? Because you got to start changing your lifestyle. You got to start living differently, and a lot of times your flesh doesn't like it. And the biggest thing for a lot of you is who you're running around with. Some of your friends, they get you in more trouble and you know it. And so that was one of the most difficult things for me that I realized. I'm going to run with the snakes. I'm going to get bit. Some of you need to break up with your friends. Some of you need to break your addiction. You're addicted to stupid people. I've been there. I was addicted to stupid people. I knew, guys, every time I got around this one buddy, there's a good chance we're going to be in jail tomorrow morning when we wake up. Pastor, you've been in jail? I've been in jail. I don't recommend it. I do not recommend it. My visits weren't very long there, but I do not recommend it. But I knew, and so before long, I'd grown up with those guys. Grown up with them. You know, I had a buddy who got married and then he got divorced like that. And I was still married and I kept hanging out with him. You hang out with divorced people? Now, if you're divorced, I'm not, I'm not speak, uh, preaching condemnation here. You hang out with divorced people, there's a good chance you're probably going to start getting ready for divorce. Because you know what they do? They're unhappy. They're miserable. And so, hey, we need some company. I'm going to tell you guys, you got to get around godly people. Was that easy for me? No, it wasn't easy to break up with some of those guys. But I realized that was part of the difficulty in my life. That until I, I, I broke up with them, guys, man, my life was a mess. And some of you need to look at that. And begin to say, man, who am I hanging out with? It isn't good. Well, Pastor, we, we only smoke a couple joints a week. Well, think about it. Duh. Break that addiction. Keep reading here. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. Which leads to life. And you know what I can tell you right now? Of 30 years now serving God. This thing called life. I get on this freeway, this narrow road now. And I put that cruise control on about 85. I just float and I pass people and float. And And you know what I figured out? I just keep diligently seeking God. And it's not work for me to seek. I love to seek God. Because once again, I look back in the rear view mirror of life. And my life wasn't pleasant. And I thank God He set me free. He's changed. Think about this, guys. You know, we used to party on Friday nights. And you know what the reward was? My best friend was that great white toilet. Woo, we had fun. What would you do that? We threw up. We got drunk till we threw up. Now, that's fun, isn't it? You know what? I get up now on Saturday mornings. I'm not hungover, except with the Holy Ghost. Full of God. And you know what? I don't miss those days. I love that. And he says, this way is difficult because you know what? There are not many folk on it. There are not many folk on it. But I can tell you this, and some of you may want to raise your hands. The ones who are on that road, they say, oh, happy day. 
Thank you, Lord. Yes, and there's some waving at me. That's us, Pastor. We're on that road too. We're not on the highway to hell anymore. All right, go with me to the book of... Uh, let's go to Isaiah. And this is what we're going to end with tonight. Today. Been up a long time. Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61. Get this in the inside of you here today. Hey, Aaron, I, you guys, I'm jumping ahead again. Pull up, and I did this in the first service too. Matthew, put up, pull up Matthew 7 for him. Verse 13 and 14 in the message. Now turn to Isaiah. Don't go back there. He's going to pull it up here. You've got to see this in the message. What it said, what we just read. I wish I'd have remembered that a minute. This will really bless you right here. And you're going to Isaiah 61. Keep turning there. And then they're going to get this. Okay. Verses 13 and 14, it says. Don't, this is the message. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire. Easy going formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff. Even though crowds of people do. And so it's a warning there that Jesus, you got to get on this certain road. Don't look for shortcuts. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim or announce liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now, I know I read that fast, but that same passage right there is spoken in Luke 4.18. And it says the same things. And this is talking about Jesus. Now, if it says that, that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted, I'm going to tell you, if you're brokenhearted this morning, you've got to realize you're, you're a candidate for that. If Jesus came to, to proclaim liberty to the captives, you're a candidate for that. Every one of these things right here that Jesus wants to do for you. Keep reading. Verse 2. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. Man, if you've got a heart today that feels like you're mourning, you've got to realize right there, He's here to comfort you. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, you know what the message says right there? That God wants to give you a bouquet of roses instead of ashes. Now, some of you need to begin to visualize that. That God's marching you around with a bouquet of roses. Now, I said in the first service, I don't give Shelly roses very often. But when I do, it makes her feel special. See, that's exactly what Father God wants to do for us. He said, I want to give you a bouquet of roses instead of ashes. I want to bless you. And the reason He wants to do that, because God loves every one of us. You're that important to God. Keep reading. The oil of joy for mourning. Joy instead of doom. And get this one. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The spirit of heaviness. You know what that word, the spirit of heaviness, refers to right there? It talks about uh, being, being discouraged. God wants to give you a garment of praise for a spirit of discouragement. Now listen to me right now. How many of you in here, you don't show your hands, you got discouragement in you right now. You've been discouraged in life. Just something in you has got you discouraged. Well, Jesus right here, He tells us, put on the garment of praise 
for the spirit of heaviness, disappointment. And so a lot of times in our life when we feel disappointed, the last thing we want to do is praise God. But he said, if you'll begin to praise me, and it'll cause that disappointment to leave. This ought to be big with us. That's why it's so important when you come in here to praise God and you raise your hands. Put on a garment of praise. You know what that tells me? That's a choice. Every one of you have got on clothes today. And the clothes you're wearing today was a choice. Not one of you in here walked in your closet and that dress jumped out on you. Not one of your shoes jumped on your feet and said, Wear me, wear me, wear me. None of them. See, it became a choice. And he said, put on the garment of praise. You know, that's, that's me and you. That's me and you. That's why, guys, we got to be the greatest praisers. We ought to be so happy. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness. The, the, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Verse 4, he says he wants to rebuild you. He wants to repair you. Now look at verse 6. But you shall be named the priest of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. You know what the Amplified says? For your former shame, he wants to give you double dose. Of an inheritance, a reward. Do you know what I like to say? When you come into the things of God, He wants to give you double for your trouble. All the things you've been through, when you begin to hook up to God, He wants to bless you doubly, big time, exceedingly abundantly above what you could ask or think. And so right here, I want you to get this, that I don't care what you've been through. If, if, if you need to be set free, God loves that. If he want, you need to be rebuilt, you need to be repaired, you've, you've got the spirit of heaviness, God loves you. And He wants to give you double for your trouble. Now this, this may be interesting to some of you, this thought, but I used it in the first service, it's coming back to me here. Years ago, when you would go into the grocery store, they had these things called S&H green stamps. Some of you remember, that. It'll, it'll date you. If you know those, how many know what I'm talking about? Well, there's a few of you. And so there were certain days that it was double green stamp day. And so my mom, she would give me and my brother those green stamps, and she'd say, now you boys, let's get home, and you're going to lick those stamps. And you'd put them in that book, and I mean, we'd have them lined up. And they had a little magazine. And it had all the things. Once you got so many stamps, what you could win. And so my mom would say, you boys keep pasting those. It's double stamp day. And we'd look and we thought, man, after the millionth stamp, we're going to get that bicycle. We never got a bicycle. I think my mom just did it to shut us up, to keep us preoccupied. But I'm going to tell you right now, God's not that way. God is double, double, double blessing God. When He says, I want to give you double for you, that's what He's going to do. And He wants to get you in that situation. Now, here at the end of this, this is what we're going to end with. Look what He says at the last part of verse 7. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in the land they shall possess double an everlasting joy shall be theirs. 
Now he lists twice there the word rejoice, which is the strongest form of joy in the Bible. And he said, I want to give you an everlasting joy. I think as believers, guys, we ought to be full of such joy. We ought to be such... You know what this passage says? It says, therefore, therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come a singing unto Zion. An everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy. And sorrow and mourning shall flee away. That's what that verse says. And so guess what? Some of you guys say, man, I'm full of joy. I thank God I'm so full of joy. I'm so full of joy. God's got greatness for me today. But you play a part. You play a huge part. How you seek God. How you begin to view yourself as an overcomer. And I'm not telling you guys you're going to have a breakthrough today. Wonderful if it is. But if not, you're going to keep serving God day by day by day by day. And you know what? Psalm 23 says this. And they, though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I used to hate that verse. I didn't want to walk through nothing. You know what I said? Just bless me, God. Just bless me. You'll walk through the valley of the shadow. Some of you are going to have to walk through some things, guys. Don't look at it as negative. If you'll notice right there, God didn't say, you're going to have an overpass that takes you right over. You're going to take the subway and you're going to get to go right at... No, no, no. You're going to get to walk this thing out. And that's a good thing. But the thing is, you got to understand, like He said in, in Revelation, persevere. Just keep on. Just keep on. And I promise you, standing here before now, before you now, the rewards of God are incredible. The peace of God, the joy. I'm not held captive. I'm not held captive by alcohol no more. I'm not held captive by dope and cocaine. That stuff doesn't move me a bit. And so you get to see every week, guys, you get to see, stand on your feet with me. You get to see a mess, a royal mess that God took and made a miracle. I'm transparent, guys. I can sit here and tell you about my life over and over and over and over again. But I can tell you also that that narrow road, it is the way to life. It leads to life. And God loves you so much, He wants you on it. But you're going to play a part. Bow your head with me. Father God, we love you. We love you.